This is CliffCentral.com. Grant, I need to make a critical business decision. We've been expanding rapidly, and my gut feel tells me that we should be investing for growth. But I need to put some financial science behind that gut feel of mine. Don't you have a financial manager or director that can help you with that? But isn't that rather expensive? It doesn't have to be. Why don't you contact the finance team? They're a consultancy that can provide you with a part-time financial manager or director at a fraction of the cost of a full-time resource. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome to our Business Masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of the Finance Team, your part-time financial executive solution. Joining me in studio as part of our panel is Leandi Stritter, a business coach and guide from RaceCorp. Welcome. Thank you, Richard. Hello. Nice to have you with us. Thank you. In the first half of our fast in the first half hour of our business skills conversation, it's brought to you in association with USB Ed. We're going to be talking with Cynthia Skuman of the Ethics Monitor. Hi, Richard. Nice to have you with us. Last week, we spoke about focus during change and what that means to you as a business owner. This week, however, we're on to our weekly or our monthly show, Focus on uh, Ethics, with the whole question of what is ethical leadership. Please remember our hashtag. Hashtag keeping or keep ethics alive, all one word. We're trying to make that trend out there in the South African environment. So what is ethical leadership? Now, there's a question and a half in the context of today's world. Cynthia, the implications of ethical failure by high-profile leaders. Well, I mean, come on, we can't even (laughs) – I was saying, you know, we can't seem – we don't seem to be in short supply of great examples of what not to do. Too true. For, for, you know, when it comes to this show. We just seem to be surrounded by so many examples on a daily basis of of just – High-profile leaders where ethical failures are just are, are, the, are the topic of the day. Yes. Um, we've just seen seen recently um, in the last few weeks all the, all the uh, talk in the Bell Pottinger matter. Yes, yes. And uh, a few weeks back the, the resignation of their CEO mm-hmm. um, in response, no doubt, to the pressure being felt. Um, so yeah, failure, ethical failure by high profile leaders. Um, I'm not sure he thought himself as a high profile leader before the event, uh, of the Gupta leaks, but he sure became a high profile person after the leak. Yes, yes. Um, and yeah, just some clear ethical failures along the line. You know, the toing and froing of will I resign? Won't I resign? I might resign. I might not. Finally, now the decision I am resigning. Um, and I mean, if we look just closer to home, the number of times we've seen people on ethical bases having to step out from their corporate environments. I mean, is is resignation the inevitable conclusion to, uh, let's call it, ethical failure? Does it happen or, is, or am I hoping for too much? <laughs> well, well, there are a whole pile of questions there. Mm. I think part of the problem with resignation is that often it's being used to duck responsibility. And, and that for me is one of the key features that, that demonstrates what ethical leadership should be and what it shouldn't be. Mm. And I, I think your point about the enormous number of ethical failures is that actually we can often learn better from an ethical disaster than, than we can from the good guys. We, we tend to look at the ethical leaders and where we're part of that organization. We very easily take it for granted. So they live the values and they actually abide by the rules. And we get to think that's normal. 
Um, but when we see ethical failure, then we start to recognize what it looks like to not take responsibility, to not take accountability. Well, there, well, there are many. Well, well I'm a, I'm a, I must tell you, I read a few weeks back the Sunday Times. Uh, dear friends at SAA, oh. and the chairman of the of SAA was, was due to step down, as I understand it, at the end of August. Yes. And the statement was, I'll go when Ubaba goes, being Zuma. Yes. And I just looked at this and I went, that is just mm. absolutely a shocker yes. of ethical uh, leadership. Yes. Uh, and, and, I mean, the questions that are being asked at the SAA table, Yes. it, it, it just – it just defies logical explanation around why this is allowed. Yes, yes. I, I think for, for me, when we look at what is ethical leadership, what isn't oh. ethical leadership, one of the very big issues that is coming out in our country at the moment, especially among some of the state-owned companies and some political leaders, is that ethical leadership fundamentally entails that you would lead for the benefit of your followers and you would lead for the betterment of your organization and the communities it serves. Can you see what it doesn't mean is that I lead for myself and my own self-benefit and for the personal benefit of my, you know, five and a half new best friends. And, mm. and that fundamental issue of whether you're serving yourself via the leadership or whether you are as ethically as you should be serving others, that for me is a core issue in terms of the unethical leadership we're looking at the, at the moment. Mm. So, so I guess my question is, well, what makes leadership ethical or not? I mean, what is what is where's the line here? <laughs> well, well, for me, uh, a key line is whether that leadership, whether the purpose of that leadership is for for self benefit or whether it's for others. But I mean, beyond that, we we can get overly complicated around trying to define these things. But it's really quite simple. Does the the person involved, does the person live by the values of the organisation or even the values of the constitution? I'm happy with either. Do they genuinely abide by rules or do they have that view that those rules only apply to other people? Mm. Um, so what, what, what I call the special people where the rules don't necessarily apply to yeah. us. And, and honestly, if you looked at only those three elements, we can get much more complicated, but it's not necessary. If you looked at only those three elements, the, the purpose of leadership, the values and the rules – I think you've, you've really got it in a nutshell. And, and again, where it's happening, we easily take that for granted. But where it's not, the impact is enormous. It, it really is. Mm. And, I, and I guess the reality is that, you know, as you say, where, where it's, when it's there, it, it's a little bit like that old saying, you know, you don't know you need it until it's gone. Yes. Um, you know, it's a little bit like, I guess, fire insurance or something like that. You know, you, you kind of assume it's in place and everything's sorted. And then mm. when it, when the fire, you know, when the, when it happens and it's like ethical leadership failure has happened in our, in our organization, you kind yes. of go, wow. Yes. And I, and I, I'd just like to, for the moment, and, and I know it's perhaps a little, a little harsh to, to pick on one or two organizations because oh, I know, go for it. I know, we, I know we, <laughs> we, we, we often ask this, but if I look at things like, the McKinsey scenario. Yes. I mean, there, if you had said to me as a corporate person in, you know, 20, 2010, 2012, whenever, 2014, whenever it is, 
um, hi, would you consider retaining the services of McKinsey's? And I had to answer on a supplier questionnaire, do I believe this is an ethical organization? I would have put, you know, on a, on a scale of one to five, rate this supplier whether you think they will act ethically. I would have put my ring around the five on the McKinsey's block without even thinking twice. Exactly. And, and I now look back at this and, and I'm sorry, I'm picking on them because they are for me such a contrast mm. in this whole question of ethical leadership. And I, and I look at the partnership in, uh, you know, in that consulting practice and I go, my goodness, people. Yes. How did you allow this to happen? Yes. Um, unfortunately, I have to say in my profession as a chartered accountant, I'm doing exactly the same exercise with our, our my, let me call them colleagues across the road at KPMG. And I'm saying to myself, you know, how did partners, yes. and I mean, I, I must openly say this. I have asked myself the question, why the South African Institute of Chartered Accountants, SICA, yes. has not acted decisively yes, against yes. the partners at KPMG that were involved in this scenario. Yes, yes. I, I, in fact, take exception to the fact that as a South African CA, I am expected to uphold the highest standards of, yes. of ethical behavior. And I've, in fact, I'll openly say, written a, a letter to SICA asking the question, and I've had no response from them, mm. asking the question – as a fellow CA, I have an expectation that my association holds up the highest standards. Where is the standards board exactly at SICA mm. on the issue of the KPMG partners? Because they have brought my profession into serious disrepute. And, and I look at this and I go, that, and as a leader, I'm saying my ethical obligation is actually, uh, has now kicked in. Yes. I actually, and I mean, I'm doing this openly on air. Yes. I'm openly calling out Saika and the uh, and the South African Institute in terms of you have an obligation to me as a member yes. to look after my ethical levels mm. by challenging what's going on in in the in the KPMG stable. And I'm sorry, I know many great partners at KPMG, and I'm sorry, guys, that's the reality. But you. As fellow partners in KPMG, yes. shouldn't be closing ranks around your partners that have been involved in this kind of yes. scenario. Yes. You should be showing ethical leadership and you should also be standing up and saying, Saka, we agree that you should be having a disciplinary engagement here and an investigation, etc." Where is the stuff? Because I'm not hearing it and but, I'm not seeing it. And, 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 and for me, unfortunately, I'm going to say it straight. The silence is deafening. Indeed. But, but Rich, and I think what your comments, uh, a key question that underpins that is a question that would be posed to Bill Pottinger and many other organizations. Let's be really blunt. Does the money matter more or does it only matter more until the ethics breaks? Mm. And, and really, in many cases, adding to the deafening silence, the conclusion you can draw is that, geez, it was a lucrative client for them, so they went with it. Mm. And they thought they'd manage it and they thought they'd get away with it. And oops, in this case, they didn't. Well, well, I'm always interested in this concept, and I've, I've heard it in professional circles where we say we have to manage our professional risk. And I'm going, Hold on a second. What do we mean? You know, what is managed professional risk? What, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean, you know, so <laughs> they use child labor sweatshops in, in China. So, you know, we can, we can do their 
PR for them. We just want to make sure that we don't get lumped in with the child labor stuff. Or we can do their audit for them, but we don't want to be lumped in with the child labor. And I'm using that because it's an out there, you know, different yes. example. But I mean, come on, you know, like, uh, how exactly, how exactly did our dear friends at McKinsey's think that this was not going to be a problem? Yes. You know, even if they weren't caught, why were they even willing to go down this road? But but I think that part of that answer lies in the enormous number of high-profile figures in this country who are living with a level of impunity that is just mm. outrageous, that we look at this and think, why isn't something happening? And uh, I promise you, if something were happening, we would be aware of it. But tell me, how many investigations are there around Gupta leaks that you can think of? Yeah, well, exa- ex- exactly. And yeah. you know what? I I'm, I must say, though, that... I am not surprised that I'm, we're not seeing the action in the, let's call it the litigation, um, you know, uh, let's call it criminal action type mm. of space. Um, I recently had an experience where I, um, I had a, a member of staff that breached a restraint of trade agreement in one of my companies. Yes. I obtained a court order against this particular staff member. They were a senior member of staff. We obtained the court order. Um, and we are now, uh, they are now, uh, they are working for competitors and we are basically powerless to enforce this court order. Even though we have a court order with the, if, if effectively say a cease and desist, the competitor doesn't care and they are employed, they've employed the person despite the court order. And we also, by the way, got a court order for costs. We cannot get that court order for costs yes. enforced against the employee. Yes. We now have to go back to court to try and get an attachment, an emoluments order against their salary to attach the salary or where they're working at the competitor. That's our best option at this point. Oh, my goodness. And I'm going, like, really? what part of this picture is like just – and, and the, the, the message I'm get, I got was, you know what, the legal system – it cost us 70,000 Rand, by the way, to get this court order, mm. which has brought us zero benefit. Yes. And in fact, the competitor and the staff member involved are laughing at us. And I'm going, great. That tells me that the legal system in this country, A, is not supported. And, 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 and I mean, I, you know, I'm going, you breach a court order in my, my mind, this is yellow, uh, this is orange jumpsuit stuff. Yes. Okay. You should be locking people up. Here, this guy's breaching a court order and the court's response is, well, he's breaching the order. Mm. So what is the value of the order? And maybe the, the ethical lines, you know, the, the questions around ethics and ethical leadership is, well, there isn't the threat of the orange jumpsuit. Yeah, but so but, so so why bother? Yeah, but know? we come back to that that crucial issue of impunity, mm. and and we're often not recognizing nearly well enough that that slippery slope syndrome. Mm. That, and I think this applies. Yours is a specific example, but I think this applies to so many ordinary South Africans mm. who are sitting there looking at what's going on and saying, "What? This is happening at that level." And there are no repercussions. Mm -hmm. There are no consequences. And I'm not saying it immediately encourages ordinary people to become unethical. But I think it's that slippery slope. We say, goodness sake, you know, we're battling like hell here. If they can do it, why can't I? Mm. And, And for me, that's also illustrates 
one of the hugely important features of ethical leaders is that leaders, by definition, are role models. Mm. I mean, whether they choose to be, want to be, they're, they're role models. They, they have it whether they like it or not. Yeah, but here's the catch. So they can be great role models, but they mm. can also be terrible role models, and we can list the terrible ones. Mm. So, Cynthia, I have a question for you working with entrepreneurs and then um, also just in general. So as leaders in South Africa, and some of us are in positions of leadership, and yet you also get people who are, you know, um, not necessarily in positions of leadership, but definitely do have leadership qualities. And just by virtue of doing their work in a in a great way, inspire yes. and, and, and lead others. Um, what is the questions that South Africans should – what should we be asking ourselves about our own personal ethics? How do I reflect on myself in order to be – so in a situation where we don't necessarily have uh, South Africa with a great vision and great leadership <laughs> and that, that, that moral compass that is, that is publicly um, exuded and, and makes us feel proud, etc., or you know, kind of just toes the line – what is it that we can do for ourselves? How do we reflect on ourselves to be better people and to live ethical and responsible um, lives as role models? I, I think one of the key things, um, and I don't want to give you a theoretical answer, but it's a useful concept, is that one of the key things we need to recognize is that our grapple with ethics rests on what I call a knowing-doing gap. Okay. So I think for ourselves, we need to recognize that the vast majority of people, in fact, even from children, do they know the difference between right or wrong? Yes, of course they do. Okay. The gap is not the lack of knowledge. The gap is the choice. It's the doing that follows. So I always say that, that if you're, for example, as you do, dealing with wonderful young entrepreneurs mm. – Understanding that when you're dealing with ethics, it's a knowing-doing gap. Don't then throw time and effort at the knowing. Do they know corruption's wrong? Yes, of course they do. Mm. What would enable them to make a better choice? And I think that personally, we can put the same to us. Of course we know it's wrong. When I steal your cell phone, this is not an accident. You know, <laughs> when, when someone pinches a gazillion rand, I always say they didn't pause and say, hmm. I wonder if it's my money. Uh, they knew that. So, so I think both personally and frankly at an organizational level, from the smallest little SMME, the conversation can be and should be, what would encourage us to make better choices given that we have the advantage of already having the knowledge in place? Mm. Now, that for me kind of almost starts up this question of, Nobody starts off as a, a leader. You start off in an organization, in a space, whatever, and you you effect, effectively become a leader in, in many different spheres. It might be in family. It might be in church. It might be in business. It's in society. But, but, but leadership evolves from from base level. And then it, it kind of, you know, you ask – we're asking the question, you know, so what is ethical leadership? And And for me, I'm going, well – Clearly, we, we don't have a very good, let me call it, ethical stock to work from. <laughs> Clearly. Because if, we, if we've got ethical leadership failure, you know, it, it's not this miraculous little wand that, you know, I'm now going to become a leader. So I'm going to be ethical going forward. I start 
as who I am, and I become a leader as who I am. So, you know, for me, it points to almost like a, you know, almost a, if you want to ask the question of what is ethical leadership or how do you get ethical leadership, you also almost have to answer the question of, well, where are we as a society in this question of ethical behaviors and, 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 and culture? Do you, th- do we, do we have an ethical breach or problem in society of late? Do you think, or it's, is this something that's, you know, I often joke, I say, you know, lack of ethics is a little bit like the whole question of cli- climate change. You know, it sneaks up on you year after year after year. Are we having, you know, climate change type of issues with ethic, with ethics? You know, it's getting worse over time. Is it or isn't it? Well, I, I think it's fair to, to answer that question in terms of saying, of course, the extent to which we have access to information with social media platforms, I mean, pro- proliferating more and more and more. I think it's fair to say that that does certainly lend itself to the impression that there's more happening. Mm. But I, on the other side, would say it is naive of us to assume that in the current quite long-standing environment of of massive, whether it's state capture, whether we want to call it corruption, you know, choose a collection of words, it's naive to think that that has not affected people in our country, especially taking into account that we're now in a recession, we're in junk status, ordinary people are battling financially. Mm. So mm. I think that, that that's an important factor that that, those two elements to keep in mind. The, the one thing that always I, I always ask the question about, and it, it's possibly linked to this, it might not be, but one of my measures of where the ethics lie in a country is actually in that whole, and I guess it's because I'm a financial guy, I go here, <laughs> is this whole question of tax compliance. Yes. Great okay. indicator. It's it, it's for me. It's it's like one of those outwardly measured, but inwardly uh, tells you a little bit about where you are. And yet, we have seen a massive move towards tax compliance in the South African context. So I kind of go, well, that that should stand us in good in good stead, so to speak. And and then you know you see. You see what we're seeing, and you and you kind of go, mm, okay. So those direction, the directionality there has, has has gone a little bit, a little bit warped. And you know, and I and I think to myself, well, you know, do we, how do we change, or how, what can we do to shift that ethical leadership space? And and I guess that's you know, I want to try and focus on the positive here. How do we, how do we shift? Um, for me, my, my first thing is, like I said earlier, mm. is ho- actually hold people accountable. Yes. So as a South African CA, I'm standing up and I'm saying, I'm sorry, Saka, I expect you to do something. Yes. If I was to breach the ethical bar, you would come after me. Yes. I expect you to do nothing less with, our, uh, with my colleagues at KPMG. I sorry. Think that's I th- what I expect. So that's my kind of – Shot across the bar, first step forward. What else should we be doing out there? Yeah, I think I think that's a, a very um, rule based um, mm-hmm. approach to this. But but I think there are many more. Um, I don't want to call them softer mechanisms. It's so so abused. But I think there are many more positive interventions. Mm-hmm. One of the gaps I certainly find is when you were talking about the progression of leaders within an organisation, as we really sort of live into that role of being a leader. We're bringing with it 
often a, a massively increasing accumulation of knowledge and experience uh, around running, for example, an organization. Mm-hmm. And then I'd pose the question and say, in all that time, tell me how much time did you actually focus on ethics? Mm. If I asked you about performance or quality or costs or whatever, you you could talk about that. Well, well, I mean, I I just as as you're saying this, I think to myself, well, hmm, interesting. How many MBAs are completed in this country, mm-hmm. and how many of them have a module on ethics? My answer is many and none. Or very few. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ethics, ethics is included in currently a bit, often together with sustainability, with corporate governance, uh, which is, I mean, a perfectly apt combination. Mm -hmm. But, but my issue is that I I find leaders, if I'm chatting to to leaders and organisation, oh no, 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 they do ethics training for the people. I'm always saying, okay, well, at leadership level, you, maybe training is not what's appropriate. But are you having dialogue sessions? Are you looking at, at an ethics coach for a leadership team? Is incredibly powerful. Mm. This is this is really around getting them into that space. Coming back to the mm. point around that knowing, doing yeah, of getting them to apply their minds with greater depth, greater insight around their choices and the impact of their choices for the whole organization. Organization from an ethics perspective, and and all too often leaders place themselves above this. Well, I was going to say, I, I have to admit, I can see the raised eyebrows and the rolling of the eyes when you try and have those conversations at many of the exco tables that we sit around. Yes, I can see the like, oh, yeah, 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 and yet look at the failures. Exactly. And so. I think for me, where it comes up, especially in the entrepreneurial environment, it gets it gets messy, especially as a growing business. When um, businesses are scaling, quite often the guys have, especially um, at Race Corp, we notice the guys have a bit of a truth wobble at the beginning, and then they start accelerating again after they've had a bit of a dip, and then we go into a competency crisis. And now, when we're in that phase, we're learning, we're implementing what we're learning, and we're running and a whole bunch of complex decisions all of a sudden need to be made, which didn't need to be made before, especially as the guys step out of that technician mode and into a leadership role. And now bring extra complexity beyond our political environment and our socioeconomic environment at the moment. Things like the exponential impact of technology yes. when we're moving into artificial intelligence. We're, we're not, we'll probably leapfrog, but that's another layer of complexity. Huge. So how would just very practically from a, on a day to day basis without it being an academic theme or another business unit, what do I need to like bear in mind just to do the right thing? What do I need to ask myself? I think you raise such an important factor that, that I mean, as the entrepreneur is growing his, her business, they would have paid serious attention to being up to speed around how to manage finance, especially. Right. But if they haven't at least spent some time equipping themselves with a real understanding of, I don't mean ethics at a level of philosophy. Yes. I'm talking about workplace ethics. Practical stuff. I, I think you raise a really important point that they're, they're almost inevitably heading for a very challenging situation that they're not equipped to deal with. Mm. And so the exclusion is really problematic. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I tell you, the more the more I, I think about it and the more we talk about it, the more I realize that 
you know, we talk about leadership as a, as a competency and as a capability in, in one's organization and that you have to have competent, capable leaders around you. But, you know, I'm now kind of saying, well, you know, do you in the competent, capable, do you now insert the word competent, competent, capable, ethical leadership? Because fundamentally, those are some of the keys to, to success. I, I think it's a, it's a great inclusion. And, and let me perhaps speak to two points that support what you're saying fabulously. I, I think that we sometimes, amid all the noise of the corruption and the scandal, I think we're not listening to the voices that are speaking up so well in, in mm. favor of ethical leadership. And my favorite is a quote that's been made a couple of times by our Chief Justice. And, and I hope I can get it right. Um, but it goes along the lines of if ever there was a time for ethical leadership, that mm. time is now. Mm. And, and for me, I, I think that that is really worth keeping in mind. That's a, that's a great quote to end the show on. Cynthia, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate your inputs. Next up is our business conversation. Stay with us. This is CliffCentral.com.